0: Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Ross Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of the College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's number one rated sportsbook app. Did I have three Daddy Sodas before 11 a.m. on the chairlift Saturday morning? I might have. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman at Ross Tucker NFL on all the social media platforms. You can find all of our shows at Ross Tucker pod. We will post them there first. And then the highlight clips there. We're always on YouTube as well. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Awesome. Ross Tucker football podcast yesterday with Alex Anzalone, the former Florida Gator, former New Orleans Saint, who is heading into free agency, making me feel real old, by the way. Just had a baby boy going to free agency. Time flies as we get older. The star of this show, though, it's Emery Hunt, my guy. Look, he's so legit, he's got an FCS ballot, okay? It's all you need to know. This guy's so legit, he's a legitimate voter. Check him out on Twitter, at FBallGamePlan, as well as FootballGamePlan.com. On YouTube, And most importantly, okay, for the next, whatever it is, five, six weeks, do yourself a favor, get the draft guide, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. I got it. It's awesome. Emory somehow has prospect profiles on D3 guys at schools I've never heard of. It is unbelievable. There is no other draft guide like it, 2021 draft guide, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. We're talking tight ends, H-backs, flex, all that stuff today, and we're doing it with one of the best in the business, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Dane's been on the show at least once a year for, I don't know, four or five years at this point. You can and should follow him. On Twitter, like I do, at DP Brugler. Dane, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I know you're a little busy this time of year.
1: Yeah, that time of year, but uh, this is this is where uh, this is the best time of year. You know, we get the chance to finish up evaluations. And obviously, it's a weird year. Uh, usually, we're coming out of the combine, ready to you know dive headfirst into pro days, and it's just different this year with the schedule. So the pro days mean more than ever, um, and so it's going to be really interesting. Rest of, rest of the March uh, month just to see how these workouts play out and um, how we finish up the process, so can't
0: wait. Just out of curiosity, Dane, it seems like guys always do better at their pro day than they do at the combine. Have you talked with NFL teams about how they're going to account for that when they're looking at the numbers for these guys?
1: Well, yeah, it's it's definitely something that's been the topic um, in scouting circles. But, you know, I, I think first and foremost, what's the alternative? You know, like this is kind of the best that, you know, we'll, we'll take what we can get at this point, um, you know, unfortunately with no combine. But, you know, they, they, the NFL's got a plan. They're breaking it up, all these pro days up into regions. And so scouts are going to different regions of these pro days. And so, you know, they, they've got it down to, Um, you know, some type of process the best they can, but yeah, there's no, there's no question. You know, they, it's just going to be a lot different. You know, a lot of these uh, uh, you know, the NFL wants the coaches at these pro days to run the, run the drills. Some coaches have pushed back on that a little bit. So there's going to be, it's just going to be a lot different than we're used to. And so at this point we'll take what we can get, you know, try to get these times, these measurements as close to accurate as possible um, I think obviously some of the, the bigger schools will be, um, you know, maybe uh, a little more accurate, um, but you know, it's a lot of teams, they use their, their hand times from the pro days uh, anyways, the pro, their, their hand times from the combine more so than, you know, the quote unquote official times. So, you know, for some teams, it might not be too different, but uh, you know, for those of us on the outside looking in, it's just going to be a different, different process. All
0: right. So now I- now I got two more questions before we get into this because my brain's going. Were scouts allowed to be on campus this season?
1: Uh, they were not allowed to attend practice. Um, now some at some programs, scouts were allowed at the uh, game day field, but a lot of teams don't practice on their game day field, so that it was a moot point. Um, a lot of teams or, you know, these scouts were allowed uh, for game days, but no contact. So, you know, basically the answer is no. You know, they were allowed – technically they are allowed on campus, but they really weren't. They weren't allowed to have any access. Um, and, and so it's just completely different than how the normal operations happen with area scouts and what their fall looks like. Um, you know, talking to area scouts, they they did a lot of virtual meetings on Zoom, talking to these players. And so there was some interaction but not what they're used to. And so, and with the pro days, it'll almost be similar. Usually, you know, teams will arrive a day before, take a player out to dinner, um, or, you know, uh, at, you know, lunch the next day, whatever. Uh, this year, obviously, none of that. So it's just from, you know, the, the fall up into the spring, uh, what these area scouts are allowed, their access
0: is, is extremely limited compared to what they're used to. So here, I'm I'm asking this for a specific reason because I'm thinking about Isaiah Wilson. Mm. Okay. The Titans draft him in the first round, Emery, and they just gave him to the dolphins for nothing last year. And by the way, I, I did the sec championship game when he was maybe a red shirt freshman. He's one of the biggest dudes I've ever seen in my life. Like that is a big dude. And he said all kinds of off the field issues. And I guess I wondered how much of that was because, you know, maybe the Titans weren't able to vet him as much as they normally would. But I would think that that would be even more pronounced this year because really since last March, they haven't been able to get in there to talk to the secretary and the janitor and the assistant strength coach and the people they try to talk to to really find out about these
2: guys, right? Right, and it's it's a, a sad situation because now you look at him going to probably the worst place you can go to if you got off the field. <laughs> right? You know, you got Miami, Key West, Cuba, not that far away, about 90 miles south. So um, it's not the best place for him, but you're right. And I know it was a, a lot of resistance for a lot of scouts uh, to get to games this year. Uh, so you didn't see press box, you know, pack with scouts like you normally do. And so it's going to be tough to get that inside information, and it makes you wonder what Miami knows about this kid that Tennessee doesn't know or is just done with, uh, what makes Miami feel like, okay, we can bring him into our program and get the best out of him. So there's a lot that you probably don't know going into uh, a situation like that where guys, we're going to see guys that have question marks you know, that are going into the draft that we just won't be able to answer.
0: Yeah, the that's a great
1: point because uh, Isaiah Wilson last year when scouts were on campus, when they were allowed on campus uh, a year ago, uh, he was a redshirt sophomore. So they really couldn't talk to him. Uh, you know, they, they really didn't have a lot of access to him. And, you know, I'm sure they weren't even uh, convinced he was coming out. And so, uh, you know, it, when we got to March and pro days and, you know, when we find out more information, a lot of teams weren't able to get that. So that, that that's a very good point. And I think this year we're going to see teams be a lot more conservative. And, you know, it's be- just because of the lack of access to these guys. Uh, you know, because teams are only allowed to have five Zoom calls with a player. That's it throughout the entire process. And so that's extremely limited to compared to, you know, what they're usually, uh, what they're usually getting. And so for a player who maybe had a mistake or two uh, in his past, but maybe is past that and he's, you know, on the up and, you know, he's kind of, you know, uh, reinvented himself uh, it's going to be tough for him uh, because teams might choose to be a little more conservative with the guys where they they know and understand the character this year
0: it's a really interesting point Um, you know the one thing I would say to Emery to your question about Isaiah Wilson he went to poly prep in Brooklyn which is where Brian Flores the Dolphins head coach went so he's supposedly known about Isaiah going back to high school You know, maybe they even, you know, they they obviously know the same people. So Flores has probably talked to enough people to believe that he can get to Isaiah, whereas the Titans just gave up on him. I mean, you think about, I mean, this is a different subject, but the Titans, Vic Beasley, Jadavion Clowney, uh, Isaiah Wilson, the Titans are are whatever the, they're they're not on a roll. Let's put it that way. I mean, those are some big, big misses for them on multiple levels. Anyway, let's get into tight ends. I love tight ends. I, I think that they are more important with every passing year in the NFL. And Emory Dane every week has specific categories. And I like the way you did this, Emory, where you've got inline back, and flex. Your number one inline guy is Emory. It's Pat
2: Friermuth out of Penn state. Uh, you know, he's, you know he's one of those throwback guys that can do it all, block, uh help out in the run game. Uh, he can run good routes. He gets open. He looks to score the ball after he catches it. So that's the guy you leave out on the field all three downs because he's the perfect tight end in this. In this, you know, right now we're all focused on flex guys, right? Because that's the sexy position—guys that can run routes. You know, bigger wide receivers. But you always want that in-line guy. Those guys to me have staying power and. You know, Friar has been one of those consistent players at Penn State since he got there. Um, and the blocking part is is key because, once again, you have to be able to have that extension of the run game with your tight end. And if you're not able to do that, it kind of limits you a little bit offensively. But when you have a guy that can do it and also be a threat as a
0: receiver, you want him on your team. Dane, let me ask you this about Friar I remember you and I texting last year because he had that weird deal where he repeated a year at a prep school and would have been eligible last year. And there was talk that he was, you know, a first-round type last year. I know he got hurt this year. I've seen people say second round now. I've seen people say maybe even third. Is it just the injury or did coming back hurt him?
1: No, I mean, I, I don't. Think that I think he he's viewed kind of how Cole Komet was viewed last year at Notre Dame, where he could go first round. He could go somewhere between anywhere between twenty and forty five is where I expect Pat Friermuth to go. Um, I don't think he's falling to the third round. That that would be a big surprise. Um, now I don't think he's necessarily lived up to that baby Gronk uh, moniker that was given to him. Um, you know he's just he's just not that type of player um, in terms of impact. Uh, but, you know, he is a serviceable blocker. Um, and I, I think as a pass catcher, you know, he he broke Mike Isecki's, uh Penn State record for touchdowns by a tight end. Uh, I thought he dealt with a, a lot of inaccurate quarterbacks during his time. Uh, and he made them look a lot better with his ability to catch outside his frame and just be a reliable target. So, you know, I don't know that he has... Pro Bowl potential, Uh, you know. I don't know that he's necessarily that type of talent, but he's a high floor guy. You know what you're getting with Pat Fryermuth, Uh, and so I think somewhere in the top 50, a a team's going to look at him and say, "Okay, this is this is going to we're going to add him to our tight end room, and our offense is
0: going to be better." Yeah, you guys know I watch every snap Penn State plays. He's much tougher than Gasicki was, but he's not the natural athlete that Gasicki was. Gasicki's a freak show. Um, that's interesting. Is, is Fryermuth your number one inline guy, Dane, or do you have somebody else?
1: No, I think that yeah, he is. Um, I, I do have some questions with him as a blocker. Just you know, watching the Ohio State tape, watching Jonathan Cooper just drive him backwards, or um, you know, I, I think there are areas as a blocker where he can get better, just in terms of uh, you know, strengthening his anchor, um, being a better drive blocker in the run game. Um, he does those things well, uh, especially for a college player where, you know, like Emery said, we're, we get so fixated on the, the flex guys or, you know, guys that are scoring touchdowns and, you know, winning down the scene that, you know, we don't focus enough on the blocking. But uh, this is a player who, you know, did it. And, you know, he, he was a reliable player. Can he get better? Yes. And I think that's maybe why he's uh, a top 50 guy and not a, a locked top 30 guy.
0: Your number one H-back
2: type, Emery. I was impressed with uh, Tommy Trimble out of Notre Dame. This dude, everything he does is explosive, like blocking, running routes, ball in his hands. Uh, this is someone that has the upside because we're we, we talking about him now, but we didn't really talk about him last year. There were so many targets uh, with Notre Dame's offense. We spent a lot of time talking about their offensive line, their run game, uh, the receivers, you know, that that help out. But Trimble, to me, was one that fits that role perfectly, that move guy. He can, you know, he could even trust him carrying the football, uh, you know, giving him a handoff or something like that. I think he's, you know, explosive. He's athletic. He's someone that fits today's game coming from that H back position.
0: What did you think of Tremble, Dane?
1: Loved him. Um, and you know, I think he he is that upside player. Uh it it's a faith based projection because, you know, he had thirty five career catches at Notre Dame. <laughs> Not many. And he was a he wanted to be a defensive player just like his dad. Uh, who had a cup of coffee in the NFL, uh, won a Super Bowl with the uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, back in, I think, 95. Uh, but they moved to tight end as junior year in high school. He was pretty productive. And then he basically missed his entire senior year uh, with an injury. So, you know, he was, you know, a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of learning the position. And he goes to Notre Dame, he red shirts. And, and then they used him primarily as a blocker. Uh, which he embraced fully. He is a uh, you know a, a a kick butt blocker with not only his power at the point of attack, but his demeanor, his, his tenacity. He he wants to bury you uh, in the blocking game, and so as a lead blocker, he can do it in pass pro. Um, it just he doesn't have a, a huge sample size. He does not have the body of work that normally you want to see from a player who. You're going to consider in the top 100 picks, but the upside with him is uh, what you consider his athleticism. You consider what he can do for you in the blocking game, and then uh, his upside as a, as a pass catcher. Yeah, I'm I'm a believer in in Tremble. I think he's a uh, top 100 pick, a day two player, and uh, you know one of the top four or five tight ends in this class.
0: Uh, as far as your flex, Emery, I, I guess everybody in the in the galaxy has the same number one flex this year. But I'll I'll let you talk about Kyle Pitts a little bit. From yeah, he, I've said this like
2: to use New Orleans term "buku times," right? Um, is it's the fact that this dude is he's the quintessential threat, and and if you like him at tight end, he's kind of Randy McMichael like. Um, I think Randy McMichael was excellent when he came out of Georgia and just played in a different era. Um, but if you want him at wide receiver, which a lot of people want to move him to, he's Plexico Burris. Mm-hmm. Uh, same type of athleticism, same type of movement. And I like how he's able to play big when you need him to play big. And you see some guys that are tall that tend to play small. And so for, for him, he understands how his size. He understands his advantages. He's playing with that. You know, he could win on the outside with routes. He could win on the inside with size. Um, and the effort is there in blocking, you know. It, and that's something that I would rather see. He, uh, speak, Especially as a running back, you you want to see at least – the dude give effort. Like if you going not get blown up, at least put up a fight, but at least he's out there wanting to block and wanting to, to improve in that area. Um, you, you probably don't want him to do that a lot, but at least, you know, he's not going to, you know, wilt and, and punk out in that situation. But as a receiver, man, he's a day one red zone target day one, you know, 50,
0: 50 ball guy above the rim guy. That's that's Pitts all day. All right. So listen to this guys. This is my, this is my Kyle Pitts nugget. Okay. I called all of his state championship games at Archbishop Wood High School in suburban Philly, and they never threw the ball. Like, they almost never throw the ball. He was an inline tight end, and d I think he transferred there, Yep. I want to say, his sophomore or junior year. Junior year. Junior year, okay? I'm telling you, like, they – they have a huge O-line always. They get up on the ball, like as much of the ball as they can get, tight splits, and they run power every play. He led them in in receiving as a senior with like 300 yards and five touchdowns. I actually thought he was going to go to Florida and play defensive end. I mean, he was much more impactful in those two state championship games on defense than he was on offense. And I wanted to ask you, Dane, I don't study these guys. Like, I watch the TV copy when I'm watching a Florida game, and I I, I am amazed at what he's done as a receiver. He only ran two routes at Archbishop Wood. They had, like, a waggle, and then they had, like, a pop pass. Like, it's crazy when I see these highlight clips you guys post of him that he's this good of a receiver, number one, and number two – I would think he'd actually be a really good blocker because that's all he did in high school. I mean, they ran power to the strong side, like, and, and so I guess I'll start with that, Dane. What kind of blocker is Kyle?
1: Yeah, and it's been it was great going back to his high school stuff to because I, I do that with every player. Go back to the high school stuff, go to huddle, and just to get a sense of who they were to better understand who they are now. And, yeah, I mean, that, that matches uh, based off of the research I did. Um, uh, just really fascinating. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. At 321 yards uh, senior year, five touchdowns. Um, and, you know, the way he was used, uh, he was asked to be in line at times. And so we did get a chance to see him blocking. And this is why I don't understand the moving the wide receiver conversation. Because he, you can line him up in line, and he will give you effort. He will, he can do, he can execute basic blocks. And then last year, as a sophomore, uh, he blew up. He had 54 catches, five touchdowns. And watching his sophomore tape, coming into the year, I had him at number 11 overall on my on my August uh, draft board. So I loved him, but he was so inconsistent. He had I think six drops. His routes were all over the place. This year, he looks. completely... Completely, like a, just a much polished, much more polished player. It's really, really fascinating to watch him just his maturation over the last year. And last year, uh, based off last year's tape, he was a number eleven player. So this year, I mean, he's one of the top three players in this draft. Uh, it's like a Quentin Nelson situation. Uh, when, you know, when you talk about a position that you don't normally draft, top five, top seven. Uh, you know, talking about the guard coming out of Notre Dame, and but you know, in the right situation, where you know you're not going to regret drafting this player because of the impact he can make for your team. Uh, you know, the uh, Florida coaches call him a unicorn. I think that's that's the best way to describe him. He's so different with his his ball skills, his size. Um, I, I like the Plexico Burris uh, comparison. I've been using that one as well. It's just a, a really really intriguing player. That's it's going to be a playmaker uh, as soon as his rookie season.
0: That is really interesting. Um, on a lot of those, I was going to ask you, Dave, my follow up question, which I don't need now, was going to be how high is too high. I saw somebody the other day, might have been Daniel Jeremiah, said if you had to pick one guy from this year's draft that's going to go to the Hall of Fame, you know, if you had to predict one guy from this year's draft to go to the Hall of Fame, it would be Kyle Pitts. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, get Hall of Fame hair, or at least keep Hall of Fame hair. Look. Emery's got great hair. Dane's got great hair. I do not. That's why I take keeps because I'm trying to actually keep my hair. Look, you can see the bald spot kind of on YouTube. If I lean down long enough, two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. Look, here's the deal, okay? There's only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. I was already taking those. Before I found out about Keeps, with Keeps, now, I don't have to go to the doctor to get the prescription. You just do it online. and I don't have to go buy the topical stuff that I put on the top of my head, my bald spot, mainly for TV. I don't really care, but I don't want to, you know, whatever. Anyway, here's the bottom line. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps.com slash draft to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash draft to get your first month free K E E P S dot com slash draft boom uh, all right let's get it. these are these are what I call Dane the Emory categories nobody loves small school under the radar guys more than Emory who's the most underrated guy you got Emory you know I think uh Brawley Moore
2: from uh Kansas State is underrated plays a lot like Trey Burton uh, watching Kansas State, they got a lot of good football players you know AJ Parker at corner uh, you look at their run, their young running back Deuce Vaughn and you know even the, the run running back um, Trotter Harry Trotter was a pretty solid player for them you know the stats may not say that but the dude's skill set does and Brawley Moore was you know another one of those players where you're watching him, you're like man he's doing a lot of things rather well and to me, he's an ideal H back as well. You know, he could block, he can catch, Um, you know, he's maybe not as athletic, but he does enough in the, in the, in that, you know, department to where you can trust him in your passing game. So I just like his game. I think he's one of those underrated prospects uh, in this group.
0: Who's the most underrated guy in the tight end category for you,
1: Dane? Uh, Bradley Moore's a good one. Um, Cause you know, Northern Iowa transfer who, you know, he, Day, uh H-back, uh, you know, he can line up in line. You can line up on the wing. You can line up in the backfield. Uh, smooth, flexible pass catcher. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with him. He's got the toughness where he's going to help you out as a blocker. Um, so th- there's a lot there. Um, you know, one of the underrated guys I like is Matt Bushman at a BYU. Um, he didn't play this year. Uh, I believe it was an, an Achilles. Um, but, you know, he was uh, – Zach Wilson's favorite target a year ago, Um, and he doesn't drop the football. Uh, One of the more reliable tight ends out there. So um, if he were able to be healthy this year, he would have been at the Senior Bowl. Uh, We'd be talking a lot more about about Matt Bushman, but, um, you know, he's working his his way back from injury, probably going to be a late-round player. Um, You know, he's uh, got some NFL connections. Chad Lewis is his father-in-law, former Eagles tight end. So, uh, you know, Matt Bushman's a name that has kind of been, you know, pushed to the back burner, but he's a good player.
0: Small school standout, Emory.
2: Listen, this dude Zach Davison was hilarious to watch on film um, because he was—he first of all he looks like one of the tallest dudes out there every time. You know, it's—it's it's, it's like he stands out. You know how on huddle sometimes they have the spotlight? He didn't need that because he was always the tallest dude out there. It's like, okay, that's Zach Davison. But he has tremendous athleticism. He's a catch and run guy, flex type guy. Um, but what was great about him? He was dominant you know, at Central Missouri, uh, but also went out there and had good workouts at the College Gridiron Showcase or whatnot. But this dude also led the team in punting, like led the conference in He was averaging 42.8 yards a punt. That's nuts. <laughs> he was like outstanding. So you get a dude that's 6'7", 245, that can also help you out as a punter. And the forty-two forty-five is probably a little bit more liberal than what he actually weighs, but you get him into a pro program, with pro-strength and conditioning, with pro-nutrition. Um, we used to call that three hots in the cot. You know, you get that when you get to a, a higher level. He'll fill out his frame, but he has some some athletic skills that that really uh, can be intriguing to the NFL team. Plus, again, he could punt the heck out of the football. And he's not, you know, he punts one or two times a game. No, he was their punter
0: and was booming junk all the way down the field. Dude, I love that. Dane, can he save a roster spot? He's not that good of a punter, is he? <laughs> Uh, he might be because he was a punter only in high school
1: uh as a as a junior he only punted. He, he didn't even practice with the the tight end group he was a punter only and then he had a really good basketball uh season that year and so the foot- and he, but he was thinking about only playing basketball and the football coaches were like, all right, you're kind of blossoming you're you're coming into your body you know let you know, come back to the football team' let, we'll try at tight end. And you know he kind of it kind of blossomed from there. It kind of took off. So this is a guy that wasn't a big football player. He was more basketball. He was a punter only. And uh, you know he's still learning. He's still growing. Um, so yeah, I think that's the, He really fits as that you know prototypical uh, small school guy that's got a lot of ability. Who you, you might have something there. Uh,
0: lastly, let's get to your sleeper Emory. Just so you know, Dane, I know you know Emory, but if he could. The whole show would just be Emory Sleepers. Like, Emory's going to ditch me at some point from the college draft to start a show that's called Emory Sleepers because he love. look, he's got like seven guys listed here in the sleeper category. Just give me like one sentence on two or three, Emory. He loves to like have these guys that nobody's ever heard of from school. Like Cavante Moses, Shaw University. You're just making that up. That's not a real person.
2: <laughs> Definitely a real person. I've actually been there before and – and have an interview with their head coach, Adrian Jones. Fantastic dude. I had a good time talking with him when I was down there in Raleigh, uh, I want to say two or three years ago. Um, but what's interesting about him is that, you know, this dude, when you watch him on film, you're like, all right, this dude, maybe not, you know, explosive, but you, damn, he catches everything. Like legitimately is a, you know, bad pass eraser. Like every pass thrown his way is an accurate pass because he has a great wingspan and is able to catch football really well, and also had a really good game um, at the Hula Bowl. So he had a Hula Bowl invite and was outstanding there. And Josh Peterson, I mean, I texted you, Ross, and was like, man, he actually is in the draft. Um, and you know I have to go down to Louisiana to find, you know, good prospects every week. Every episode we talk somebody's from Louisiana getting to the show. But, but Peterson was one that's well-known. Um, obviously his dad is, is Doug Peterson, but Peterson was excellent for UL Monroe, this year was kind of a fluke. Both him and Josh Johnson Um, didn't really have the fantastic years, but Peterson is a, you know, typical flex guy that can run, catch. Uh, He has nuance within his route running. Um, I'm excited to see how he he plays and performs, but I was shocked to see him uh, quietly announce
0: that he was going into the draft because he already publicly announced that he was coming back. God, all right, Dane, give me one either small school guy or sleeper.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, Pro Wells from TCU, he, he, he's a guy that isn't talked about a ton, but he led TCU in receiving touchdowns the last two years. A uh, former basketball player, uh, moved to tight end as a senior in high school, uh, and with the Juco level, goes to TCU, and, you know, he, they don't use their tight ends a lot in that offense. But when they gave him his opportunities, he made plays. Uh, and so I think there's there's more, there's more there than meets the eye. And so a, a late-round pick, maybe a PFA. We'll see if he gets drafted or not. But once you get him in into camp, I, I think there might be uh, more than what we've seen on tape.
0: All right, so here's what everybody needs to do now, okay? First of all, get the DraftKings app on your phone or the DraftKings Sportsbook app and throw the code ROSS in there. Secondly... Make sure you go to footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide to get Emery's draft guide. It's already available, ready. It's awesome. You got to follow him on Twitter at FBallGamePlan and follow Dane at Brugler. Dane's stuff is awesome. Dane, as soon as you tweet your position rankings, I click on it immediately and read it. I got to tell you, by the way, I'm going to marry these two things right now. I talk like Even Money Podcast today. It's the betting podcast. If you look at Dane's rankings and then you look at some of the prop bets that are available on DraftKings Sportsbook, like I really like Dane Rashawn Slater as the first O-lineman off the board. I don't know if it happens or not, well. but Penne Sewell's like minus minus a 1,000 Rashawn Slater's like plus 600 money. And I just think there might be somebody that's like, look, this kid's just good. Like, I, you think that, would you say it's a toss up, Dane, or no?
1: I don't think. I mean, Penny Sewell, for his age, his ability, his upside, I'd be shocked if he's not the first uh, okay. offensive lineman drafted. Just that, that's just me. But I've know,
0: read some people that say that they think Slater could go ahead of him.
1: Yeah. it, 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 it you, you never rule anything out when it comes to the draft. All it takes is one team to believe in. because like, Slater's a really good player; he can play. You know, a lot of teams think he has five position versatility. Um, you know, there's there's a lot you could do with Rashawn Slater. He's a good player. I, I'm a big fan, but I don't. Know, Sewell's just so different. You know, I, I think this. If, if there's a Chase Young in this draft, in terms of being that, you know, a, a premier non quarterback prospect, I think it's him.
0: Good timing, because we're probably going to get into offensive line next week. But like I said, follow Dane on Twitter. Subscribe to The Athletic so you can get his rankings, and then The Beast, which will come out later. Obviously, Dane's a stud. Dane's bringing up – I mean, name another podcast, okay, where Emery talks about the guy's a punter, and then Dane knows that the guy was a punter only as a junior, and he played basketball. There is no other podcast. There, there's not. There's probably nobody else in the galaxy other than these two guys that know all these things. That's why the College Draft Podcast is the best. Check out the Even Money Podcast later today. We'll have Andrew Brandt tomorrow on the Raw Tucker Football Podcast to talk the DAC contract and more. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.